0: Good morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Gretchen. I am one of the pastors here at Elevation. It is such a joy to worship with you, whether you're here or joining us online. I'm just thrilled to be a part um, of your morning. So thank you for being here. Um, when I was in the sixth grade, um, I got run over by a hay wagon on like a youth hay ride. Um, yes. Um, It's okay. Don't feel bad. Lots of other things have run me over since then. It's really no big deal. So I got run over by this hay wagon, and um, for for a lot of sixth grade, most of, if not all, um, kids at school like to call me wagon wheel. Wagon wheel, that was the nickname that I uh, had in the sixth grade. So going into the seventh grade, I'm like, maybe we can ditch wagon wheel and find something better. So um, in the seventh grade, I was a part of seventh grade ski club, which is a big deal, very cool. All the cool kids were in it. Um, And I was skiing, and much of my seventh grade class was in a chairlift that was going above the run that I was actually on. So as all super cool seventh graders do, I waved to them. I was very excited to see them, Um, and then skied head on into a tree and had a kind of severe uh, little injury. And so uh, for a lot of seventh grade, they uh, dropped wagon wheel and started calling me crash or tree crash, which is not nearly as cool. Um, And so then before eighth grade, the summer of eighth grade, I was like, I am going to be freak accident free. This was before I came to the realization that freak accidents were kind of my thing. But going into eighth grade, I was like, I'm going to give them nothing that they can create a nickname out of except for calling me Gretchen. And that summer went awesome. I mean, nothing ran me over. Nothing crashed into me. I didn't get trapped anywhere. It was awesome until three days before school starts. I'm at softball practice in the outfield where I camped out for most of my life, and there was a fly ball. Caught thousands of them. And for some reason, this one I chose not to try to catch, and it hit me square in the face. And it broke my nose, as large objects coming at your face tend to do, and sometimes with a broken nose you can get like little black eyes. No, no. I had massive black eyes, two of them, a huge nose, and a fat lip. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to eighth grade. So I tried to convince my parents that I, that I could not start school until my face looked better, because my dream of having a nickname-free year was coming quickly to an end. And I remember my dad telling me, if you don't want to go to school with a broken nose, catch the ball. And so there I went, and my dream of being nicknamed free was dead before the year even began. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see a duel, a battle that was over before it ever began. And it was a battle between the false god Baal and the God Almighty, And see, in this season, in this time in history, God's people started to worship this false god in massive proportions. It was the height of idolatry in all of the Bible. And God called this man Elijah. And he said, I need to use you to help me rid this idol worship from my people. And so God told Elijah to go to the king. And in 1 Kings 18 Where'd it go? Aha, I'm with you. Uh, 1 Kings 18.20, it says this. Where does it say? Where'd it go? Sorry. Um, so Ahab sent word to all the Israelites and assembled the pagan prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is fo- God, follow him if Baal is God, follow him. So what's happening is Elijah comes to the king and says, we're going to gather all of the people. We're going to gather them at a holy spot. You bring all of the people, you bring all the prophets of Baal, and we're going to settle this once and for all. If God is God, then we're going to follow him. But if this Baal is God, then okay, we'll follow him. And so Elijah gathers the people and the king gathers the people. And in 1 Kings eighteen twenty-two. Elijah says this, I alone remain a prophet of the Lord, while Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen, and then let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire in it, in, under it. I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood, and I will not put a fire under it. Then you can call on the name of your God, And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers with fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. So Elijah says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have two altars with two sacrifices. One for your God and one for the true God. And we're going to put no fire under it. And then you can call on your God. I'll call on the true God. And then what happens is Elijah lets them go first. Says, "Okay. Let's see what this Baal can do." And in 1 Kings 18:28, it says so they cried out with a loud voice to get Baal's attention. They cut themselves with sword and lances in accordance with their customs until the blood flowed out of them. As midday passed, they played the part of the prophets and raved dramatically. Until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. There was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. So, what you see is these prophets, these worshipers of this false God, worshiping, cutting themselves, screaming, dancing all day. And nothing happens. But why had the worship of this particular God gotten so high in this season? Because for three and a half years, these people were in a drought. There was a massive famine that had taken over the land and things got really, really bad. And Jesus talks about it in the book of Luke and he talks about how dramatic this three and a half year famine was. So God's people got scared, and they were in the midst of a national crisis, and they didn't know what to do. And the pagans had this God called Baal, who was the God of the storm, the supposed God of rain, the supposed God of the sun, the supposed God of fertility for their crops. And so this God, this storm God, who I guess is like Thor without a hammer, I'm not really sure, but he was supposed to be the one that could fix this drought. So as time went on in the hardship that was this national tragedy, God's people started to think, well, what could it hurt? Maybe it will help. Maybe he can do something. And they started to stop trusting the God Almighty and put their faith little by little by little in this false God. And God's people got distracted from the truth. They got distracted from the one who could actually solve the problem because it was really, really hard. And it was really, really bleak. And they said, maybe, maybe, maybe this sun god can actually bring the rain. So Elijah said, we're gonna solve it once and for all. And he gave them the opportunity, all of the prophets of this storm God, to worship him all day. And no one answered. No one replied. So then it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah steps up, and he wants there to be no doubt who his God is. So he recreates the altar of the Lord that they have torn down. And he says, you know what? Let's throw some water on that puppy. And then he says, no, let's douse it again. Let's douse it again. Because when God's going to show up, it's going to be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Elijah says, let's douse it three times. Because this is not going to be on my power. So the thing is soaked and it says there's water all around the altar. And in 1 Kings 18.37, Elijah says this to the Lord. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So that these people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God. And that you can turn their hearts back to you. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offerings and the wood. And even the stones and the dust. It also licked the water in the trench. When the people saw it, they fell downward and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. For years, they had looked at something other than God. And He shows up in an instant. In an instant, the fire consumes the altar. And see, then something crazy happens. It starts to rain. And the Bible says that it doesn't just rain a little, but it starts to rain. Because for three and a half years, God's people started to wander away from the one who could actually make it rain. And Elijah comes in and he says, how much longer are you going to waver between these two things? If God is God, worship him. And he stands up once and for all and he says, all of this stuff that you're trying, that you're hoping might make a difference, is actually distracting you from the one true God who can make it rain. And in that moment, Elijah says, all of these prophets of Baal are no longer allowed in God's people. And they get rid of them all. And they say, we will now focus and put ourselves 100% dedicated to the God who can make it rain. And see, that's this powerful, powerful story. And Elijah leads in this triumph of who God is. But Elijah's story doesn't end in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. If you turn the page, you get to chapter 19. And there's another character in this story, and her name is Jezebel. And Jezebel is the king's wife. And Jezebel is very open about how she has one goal. And her goal is to rule over everyone and get rid of any followers of God on the face of the earth. See, Jezebel is crazy about Baal and a whole lot of other made-up stuff. And her goal is to get all of God's people to turn away from God and to worship Baal. And if they won't, she'll kill them. Jezebel is bad news. Jezebel is so evil that for thousands of years, the name Jezebel makes people who don't know anything about the Bible know, ooh, she's not, she wasn't good, I don't think. Jezebel's bad news. So Elijah just goes through this major thing where he proves once and for all that God is God. And then shortly thereafter, he gets a message from Jezebel in first Kings 19 1 through 3. Now Ahab the king told his wife Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all of the prophets of Baal with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message, a message to Elijah saying this. So you may the gods do to me, and even more if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like the life of one of them. And Elijah was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life. In verse 4, it said, but he himself traveled a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and he sat down under a juniper tree and asked God that he might die. He said, enough is enough. Oh, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father. This is right after Elijah brings this mighty, extraordinary act of God. And he gets one message from one woman, and he runs for his life. And he runs for a day until he finally finds a tree and he sits under it and he cries out to God and he says, I shouldn't even be here. Elijah is terrified by this message from Jezebel that I'm not even sure I understand what she's trying to say. But she's, be- she's basically saying, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah just watched God destroy all of the prophets of Baal. But this one message from this one woman at this one time sends him running for his life. This is God's chosen, the one that God said, You are going to help me solve this problem. He instantly runs. He runs for a day. That's a long run. And he finds a tree. And he sits underneath it and he tells God, I shouldn't even be here. And I don't know what it was for Elijah in that message, but I do know that we all have the message. We all have the thing from the certain person at the certain time that makes us forget who God is and run in fear. We all have that email, that news story, that COVID report, that co-workers comment that makes us forget chapter 18 of 1 Kings and live like Elijah in chapter 19. And Elijah was not a weak person. He loved God with all his heart. He had given God his entire life and he knew without a shadow of a doubt who God was. And that God would do what God said he would do. But in this moment, he runs because of one message from one person at one time. And I believe that what God is wanting us to see from this passage is that we have to know our message. We have to know the one thing that takes our eyes off of Jesus and puts our eyes on fear. We have to know where it's coming from so we cannot let it in. We have to be able to recognize it when it comes because the spirit of Jezebel, a spirit that's trying to remove all of God's people from the face of the earth is as present today as it was then. And God will find the Jezebel in our life, the person that knows us so well that they can get to us and send us in fear and the enemy will send that person to deliver that message at that time. Because you see, in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, Elijah was at his most dangerous for the enemy. Elijah had just proven to all of the people that God was who God says he was. And that God could make it rain. And because of Elijah serving and working, he became dangerous. So he got one message from one woman at one time. We need to know our message so we can recognize it when it comes, and recognize it for what it is, the exact same purpose that Jezebel has our enemy has against us. And we live in a season not so different from the one God's people were living in, in a season that's incredibly scary and incredibly overwhelming. But are we going to waver between two opinions, or are we going to focus on the one true God? You see, chapter 19 of Elijah has this amazing look into what happens when God's people let fear in. Because you see, we serve a God that tells us we do not need to live in fear. But let's be honest, sometimes we run because of the one message from the one person at the one time. So Elijah runs and he hides and he cries out to God. And our God meets him there. 1 Kings 19 is this amazing look at who God is. In 18, he shows up in a big, powerful way. In 19, he comes to his scared servant and has a conversation with him and essentially says, what's going on? What's going on? Because God wants to comfort us in those moments God wanted to comfort Elijah, so the first thing God does is He sends an angel to feed Elijah and make sure that he gets some rest. Because could it be that we're not very good at seeing the lies in the message when we're not taking care of ourselves and we're tired? So God says an angel, and He says, "Make sure Elijah gets fed and gets slept, because I'm coming to talk to him." And then He says, "I'm coming." And then this massive earthquake comes, and the Bible says, but God's not in the earthquake. And then this massive wind comes, and it says, God's not in the wind. And then this fire comes, and it says, God's not in the fire. And then there's this gentle blowing, and it's through that gentle breeze that Elijah hears God's voice. See, in Scripture, God has shown up in an earthquake before. And God has shown up in the wind before. And just a few days before, God has shown up in the fire. Because God can show up at any time, at any point, in an extraordinary way and change the situation. But he can also show up in the whisper. In the time when we're scared and alone and hiding under a tree and saying, I don't even want to be here. And God shows up to Elijah in this whisper and he says, What's going on? And Elijah says, I'm all alone. There's no one else. It's just me. And Jezebel wants to kill me, and Jezebel's bad news. And God, the God who has run after Elijah to find him and talk to him, says, You know what? You're not alone. And he reminds him that he has been with him this whole time. But then he also gives Elijah exactly what he needs. In this moment, God says, Elijah, there's actually 7,000 other people who have not worshipped Baal. He tells Elijah exactly what he needs to hear in that moment. He says, you're not alone. There's 7,000 more that you're not seeing Because you're only seeing the message from the one who's trying to destroy you. And our God comes next to him and says, you're not alone. You will never be alone because I am with you. But I'm also going to send you what you need. And he says, there's 7,000 more. And then he says, and I'm going to give you three specifically that are going to be your right hand guys. If you feel alone, I'm going to give you somebody else. And it's in this conversation that God tells Elijah to anoint Elisha who becomes his partner for the rest of his ministry. Who becomes this major person in helping Elijah do what God has asked Elijah to do. And see, at the end of this conversation, God tells Elijah to get up and to go back to work. Because God had things he wanted Elijah to do. Elijah's mission on earth was not yet finished. So he says, I'm going to give you what you need. And I'm going to send you back out. And we live in a time where God is asking his people to stand up. And tell the world, how long will you waver between two opinions? Because when you take all this stuff that is man-made, when you need it, when you cry out to it, you will get no answer. None at all. But if you trust in the Most High God, even in the hardest times, even in seasons that last year after year after year, when God feels like it's time, he will show up. But then when we have those moments... Where something clicks, something triggers, and we run. God runs right after us. He runs right after us and sits down next to us and says, what's going on? And he makes sure that we're taking care of ourselves. He says, you need some sleep because you're not seeing things clearly. And then he says, let me remind you who I am. And then he listens to our most desperate cries, "I feel all alone." And God says, "No, you're not." But I'm going to give you this. See, we have to become good at recognizing the message so we cannot let us send us down this road of fear. but when we go there, we have to sit in the presence of God, remove everything else and listen. And God will meet us there. And God will fill us back up. And God will give us what we need. And He will say, But you gotta get up. You gotta go back out. Because your mission in this world is not over. God has things He's asking His people to do that are hard. We are the people that get to stand and say, how long will you waver between two opinions? And the question of who is God was not only answered in 1 Kings 18, but it was answered when he sent his son to die on a cross for us. See, that battle is already won. God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do, but he uses us to tell the world that. And he's asking us to stand in this time where messages and information and opinions is out of control. And stand up to the world and say, you have to listen to the one true God. Because all of this man-made stuff, this human-made stuff, when you need it most, when you cry out to it all day, it won't answer. So we need to know our message so we can recognize it. And then we need to come to the Father and we need to go back out. Because God is not done with his work in the world and he is not done using us to bring that work to fruition. Far too many of us are spending far too long camped under a tree in fear. And we need to remember when we camp there, God is right there in the gentle breeze to talk to us and send us back out. God is asking his people to get up from under the tree and go back out and to proclaim who I am. Far too many of us get way too many messages that send us running in fear. And we need to be reminded of the God that showed up in First Kings 18. And the God who showed up in First Kings 17 when Elijah had no food and God said, okay, no problem, I'll feed you through birds. I mean, I don't know a lot about birds, but they don't seem to like to share. Like, go to the beach. Those seagulls are not sharing creatures. But God chose birds to provide for Elijah in 1 Kings 17 because, see, that's our God. In three chapters of Scripture, we see a God who provides for us in the darkest times. In 1 Kings 18, we see a guy who shows up for us and who can take whatever the world is dealing with and change it in an instant. And in 1 Kings 19, we see a God who wants to hang out with us and listen to us and encourage us and nourish us and send us back out. So know your message. Be able to recognize when you're camped out under a tree and say, Lord, I need a word. And dive into who he is. Too many of us are camped out under the tree, and too many of us are just like God's people. The whole reason God needed to send Elijah in the first place, because His people had started to doubt that God was who He says He was. Because things were hard, and the harder they got, the more God's people tried everything else under the sun to make this drought stop. Far too many of us have spent too much time wavering between two opinions. And God wants to remind us once and for all that on that day, Baal could do nothing, because he is nothing. And God could make it rain. And there are some people who have never made a decision to follow Jesus with their life and who spend all of their existence wavering between all these different opinions. And today can be your day to say, I don't wanna waver. I don't wanna put my life in nothing. I wanna put my trust in a God who can do something. A God who loves me so much that he runs after me. And God who said, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to save and rescue you no matter what is happening in the world. Some of us today need to commit to spending less time under the tree in fear. Some of us need to commit to stop wavering back and forth between two opinions. And there may be some of us that need to say for the very first time, I want to follow Jesus with my life. I no longer want to put my hope in human-made things that produce no results. Let me pray. Lord God, I pray that you would come into this space, that you would come into our hearts, that you would reveal for us the things that you need us to do, Lord, that you would make it so very clear to us what our message is that sends us running. Father God, I pray that you would help us see it, that you would help us recognize it. Lord, that you would teach us how to live in those moments when we do find fear, that we would run to you for encouragement. Lord, I pray with someone who has never made the decision to follow you before, Lord, I pray that they would say, Lord, I need you. Lord, this stuff that I've been wavering between gives me nothing. I want a God who can save me and rescue me. Lord, I pray that those people would call out to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Let me live my life with you. Lord, may we walk out here people who know that you are not done and that you are not done using us for your purpose in this world. Lord, that we would get up from under the tree and that we would get back to work. In your name we pray, amen.